the champions of Europe, the champions. I that this was the first time I had heard that song, oh. and I was like, usually I can't tell what choral singers are saying. I could tell what they were saying in this song because it was <laughs> champions. Chicago, we'll say with our chest that of all the sports, soccer is the best. We're talking fire, the Red Stars, Premier League to boot. With Brady, Dave, and Herman, you might learn a thing or two, cause we're the Windy City. everyone and welcome to the Windy City Wingers podcast, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Fire and Chicago Red Stars. Like every week, we take a quick trip around the world to get a soccer update from all over the globe. My name is Alex Herman, and I'm joined as always by Brady Olson and Dave Kolichkowski. Boys, how we doing? Feeling relaxed. I'm dancing. I don't know what that means. Okay. Yeah. No one ever does. I'm confused. Yeah. It's (laughs) to our listeners. Just be thankful. You don't have to see it like Dave and I do. And a quick shout out to Ian working behind the scenes, cutting, slicing, dicing, marinating our sounds until they are the honeyed, lovely beef Wellington that you all get to put in your ear holes every week. We're recording this. On May 31st, 2021, today is Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day, everybody. Did we get out? Did we do the American thing to do on Memorial Day, which is eat uh, many grilled sausages and burgers and drink way too much for no reason? We actually use the day as a chores day, but it was a good chores day. We got a bunch done, like a little bit late uh, spring cleaning, if you will. So that was a good thing. Dave, what'd you end up doing? I basically did that all last week. So it was driving home from the vacation where I was able to do that all last week. So I feel like that's pretty American. And then on the way back, (laughs) I also picked up some brats and Wisconsin only beer spotted cow before I crossed the border. Yeah, There is a ton of spotted cow in Chicago right now. A ton of people are making trips from Wisconsin. So good for you. And I was having that conversation today. Actually, Memorial Day is kind of a weird holiday because it's a long weekend, but the actual holiday is today. So do you celebrate today and then go back home tomorrow and take another day off? Or do you celebrate on Saturday or Sunday and then use today as a travel day? We've Mm -hmm. always barbecued on Monday like Mm -hmm. in my family, but my thought process is do it on Saturday or Sunday because... I agree. Monday is basically Sunday now, this week. So it's like... Sunday yeah. scaries. I have zero interest in entertaining people. <laughs> yeah. I know. Yeah. Tomorrow is, but again, it's like tomorrow is going to be kind of a hangover, if you will, for everybody going back to work. I do try to make a point on the actual Monday to take a second and 
uh, reflect and remember those who have yes. fallen and those who have served. And it's truly amazing with the sacrifices that are made by those who are braver than I ever could be. So I, I know that you too also, but I really do appreciate all of those who have served. Absolutely. To current and former serving members of the military, thank you for your service. My Memorial Day weekend included a lovely round of golf on Saturday, and it was literally perfect weather because it was mid-60s, but it was sunny. So it was not hot enough to break a sweat, but wearing golf, either shorts or pants and a golf polo was absolutely perfect weather. Did not break a sweat, did not feel cold the whole round. Most importantly, Peter Kappas, a lovely Sigma Pi brethren from Illinois Wesleyan. Peter Kappas has a message for you, Brady, which is Harry Kane is going to look really good in that Chelsea blue. Oh, my (laughs) God. Listen to him. (laughs) Oh, man. And this was before Chelsea had won the or no, no, they hadn't. They won it at that point. Right. He was probably riding that wave. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Paying attention on his phone in between drives. (laughs) (laughs) He had that locked and loaded before the round, though, I guarantee. Absolutely. He he told it to me on the first tee. So absolutely. (laughs) Well, Peter, thank you for listening. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you can do is just lick your wounds as you sit in the corner. (laughs) <laughs> I really hope he's not a Chelsea blue. That would hurt me in so many ways. Oh, he Wait. is going to probably be somewhere else in London. Boo. I would think so. Boo. I would think so. Yeah. It's going to make Brady very sad. Anyway, Liverpool guys. That'd be no, pretty sweet. no, no. Moving on, Dave. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's go to the MLS. Quick loon check-in. Up north, played Real Salt Lake this weekend on Saturday. Came away with a 1-1 draw. My three takeaways. Salt Lake's goal was beautiful. A beautiful pass into the middle of the Minnesota defense and uh, goal put in. It was perfectly done. The pass was like a Patrick Mahomes 50-yard bomb. Just dropped perfectly to the wide receiver. The Loon's goal was lucky. Uh, Goalkeep could not keep it in his hands, um, and it just rolled in. So it was not a good-looking goal, but it was a goal. So overall, the Loon's draw, it's better than an L, but uh, it's not a – it wasn't a pretty or fun draw. There are those that would argue that Minnesota was unlucky earlier on in this season. So them getting a rather lucky draw, if that's the case, I didn't really get to see this game. But if that is the case, you know, perhaps they deserve that a little bit. Yeah, I would also say like Salt Lake's goal was so beautiful because the Minnesota defense on that pass just kind of looked at it like, wow, that's perfect. And <laughs> oops, <laughs> Ball that watching. is where I should have been and wasn't. So uh, I, th- I think they, they deserve the draw that they got. Um, anyway, let's, again, better than a loss. Take what you can. Moving along to the fire. Speaking of losses, ooh, 
Ouch. Mm-hmm. Okay. This was not. Okay. <laughs> this was not a fun game to watch. I'm a Loon fan. I'm also a Fire fan. I have to be. I live in Chicago, so this wasn't fun for me to watch either. And I would consider you two the diehard fans, but even as a casual fan, this one is mm, tough. Played yep. Saturday, yeah. May 29th. May 29th. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> <that in>. <laughs> Absolutely, we are. I played Montreal, excuse me, Montreal, and uh, did not end up coming away with the victory. That was a 1-0 loss. Uh, yeah. Um, first of all, Brady and I were not there. So sorry, everybody. That's why we uh, lost. Second mm-hmm. of all, yeah. Second of all, Jordy Mihailovic revenge game. Um, there's some leaked articles coming out that uh, were saying that he was not happy with how things ended with the fire. And then mm. the fire management respondent said, that's nonsense. Like we gave everything that he could possibly have wanted and he still wanted to leave. So. He ended up coming on top, though, so I'll let Brady take it away from here. Well, good for him. He did play very well. I didn't know that it had soured in that way, other than he was obviously an asset to be moved, which is always a stinging sort of thing for an athlete, especially the first time it happens. It's rough, but he played a very good game, and he's been playing well for Montreal, um, so I'm happy for him in that respect. And as far as the fire were concerned, to begin this game, I thought it was a really solid-looking lineup. Jimenez came in to replace Pineda, so perhaps he's over his injury or whatever conversation he and Wiki needed to have. Maybe it happened. Uh, Erbers replaced Frankowski on the wing because Frankowski's on international duty. And then Gutierrez got another start on the left side for the fire. So it looked pretty uh, like a good lineup to start. And the kits looked as pretty as the lineup. I know they're not the traditional kits, but that aqua bluish color they had, I thought popped. I was digging them. I liked them. Before we go too far forward, Herman, did you see the lovely lines that were on Soldier Field? I did not. No, I did not recognize those. They were lacrosse lines. It's your sport. It's been too long. (laughs) There was obvious like crease marks and like a circle uh, that was right inside the 18. I thought it was very strange to see a little like mud Mm. patch there. Uh, And it did. I think it affected one of Montreal's shots. Uh, But otherwise, uh, I guess we'll get more into that. I need to go back and look at that. I did not. I did not notice that, but I'll probably go back and get really excited because I love lacrosse. <laughs> I miss I, I I miss playing lacrosse. It's a good time. And in high school, when you're filled with emotions and anger and hormones, it's a great sport to just go out and hit people. Seconded. <laughs> so starting off in the first half, Brad, can you break down a little more? Um uh, of the fires lineup in this game. Yes. So I did, we didn't go back to the four, three, three. It looked to me more like we returned to our four, two, three, one that we've been playing the majority of the season with Madron playing a number eight kind of next to Jimenez, who was more adventurous, more mobile than Pineda, who really just sat and stayed at that six position. I don't know if that's a reaction to Montreal, who play a three-back, and it's kind of different than what we've played this season, or a reaction to Jimenez back in the lineup, and he's told Wiki, I feel better with someone alongside me, 
or a combination of the two. I don't know. So to start off, the first 15 minutes of this game, it really seemed like uh, Montreal had the advantage over the fire. The, the, their start was a little bit better, seemed a little more awake than the fire did. Yeah, a little bit. They had a couple counter type opportunities, which is their whole game model is based on keeping the ball in front of themselves and countering. I thought Gutierrez was not good. This was one of his worst starts uh, of games so far. And then Barrich also was not very good. He didn't make very good decisions and the ball is just kind of bouncing away from him. And Mm -hmm. especially at the beginning of a game, you need your forwards to be on point so they can settle the game down and put the fire in a position where they get to keep the ball comfortably. The first play that I took note of really was the save from Shuttleworth in the 20th minute in which uh, the announcers mentioned that the Chicago defense essentially fell asleep and Shuttleworth saved their butts and Shuttleworth gets up screaming. And I can't tell if that was screaming at his defense for falling asleep and letting that play happen, or if he was pumped up because he had a great save or if it was a little bit of both and he's just going adrenaline crazy. Well, just before Dave gets in here, this is a bad, bad turnover to the point where the the TV feed hadn't even switched yet. That's how immediate the turnover was. And this is the classic fire mistake that needs to be erased this season. And just so happens that Shuttleworth made the save. I was going to say, like Shuttleworth completely lost his poop here. And um, (laughs) but but it it was it was just bad. It was uh, the moment that they could only blame themselves there. And I honestly. And a lot of the time the keeper is overreacting in one of those circumstances because like the defense comes in and makes the Mm -hmm. play that they're supposed to. And they're like, just come on, like be better, like make that first challenge, like a stronger challenge. But here, like he is completely justified and we should really be down uh, one nil at this point. So we were lucky. I was going to say that easily could have turned into this easily could have been a two nil game. Right. Yeah, indeed. Uh, And just to kind of, close the loop goalkeepers are doing both they're both pumped and adrenaline's running through them so they're just screaming to scream but then also he's immediately saying this can't happen this can't happen a lot of times a goalkeeper will point out this person was wide open even if they weren't even part of the play or something like that but in this case he's just this can't happen (laughs) and i don't blame him for that it was it seemed like his scream was just at everything. Everything that just happened, none of it is okay. It's the entire Don't season. Do it. Stop it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but the fire respond pretty quick. In the 22nd minute, we start to see the fire take over the game a little bit uh, with their pressing game style. Yeah, and they start to finally win the ball higher up the field. Uh, in this specific example, in the 22nd minute, Sojanovic decides to shoot pretty much immediately when the fire get the ball settled down and the fire had numbers and Montreal scrambling. So we don't need a 30 yard shot in this situation. We need probably a little bit more composure from Stojanovic. It's a first example of this game where the fire need to do better in the final third. I'm just going to keep rattling here, but in 27, 19 Gutierrez, has a wide open point blanker in the middle of the box and he gets saved. Uh, I, th- I consider this a miss. He should score here. It's a really nice ball by Sekulic after a really good fire buildup. Uh, Stojanovic does a nice uh, whiff to let the ball go to Gutierrez. Obviously he was faking here. Uh, yeah. And I, I totally agree. Gutierrez totally should have scored. It was a huge bummer. Um, 
this just handed him on a silver platter and he wasn't able to capitalize on it. I noticed a very good thing from Olmsberg. So Olmsberg is quickly becoming one of my favorite fire players, just in the in the case of do your job. At 4155, he does a beautiful diagonal switch. Uh, and we just, you love to see it as a coach. You love to see it as a fire fan because it immediately opened up an opportunity that was very dangerous. The problem was Barrich was offside. And I noticed that he was offside four of the fires nine times being offsides. And there's two fine lines here that we need to walk. One is the actual offside line is very difficult to time as a forward. And it's super. There are players that make their entire career off of I am elite at timing it perfectly. And they may not be the fastest person, but they are good at timing that. And that's kind of what Barrett is trying to do. Super fine line, because if you continuously get caught, you're just destroying your own team's buildups and your own team's opportunities to attack. So I just want to iterate that Barrich is doing this on purpose. He is riding that fine line. But for me, he went past it. He went. It was too many times of getting caught offside and too critical of situations where he might even not necessarily have needed to be that close. And that's just kind of going to continue this trend of the fire are doing a good job of high pressing, finally breaking down that Montreal high block, and then creating chances but no goals. And moving over into the second half, we continued to see the fire move forward with taking the game over a little bit. They had those good high turnovers, like Brad mentioned, um, breaking Montreal's high block. Um, They're forcing turnovers early on. I agree. The fire were creating good pressing opportunities with their forwards. They really had control of this game, I feel like, early on in the first half. But I'm just going to start reading off of some opportunities where we need to score. So at 47.05, Stojanovic chooses the wrong option and shoots instead of passing to Sekulic. Or he also had two players wide open on his left. Yeah, I was going to say classic Luke Skywalker meme where he's like, no. No, when he finds out that Darth <laughs> Vader is his dad. <laughs> and basically, you can repeat this for the rest of what Brady says here. Okay. <laughs> oh, no, that's impossible. Uh, because, yes, 56th through the 58th minute, I don't even have them all individually labeled, but there are tons of opportunities within a two-minute span. In the 75th minute, Erber should have put a chance away after Ali Seda made the correct decision. On uh, 84th minute, there's another opportunity. There's just too many examples of either players making the wrong decision, so a critical chance wasn't created, or players are just not putting away stone cold what should be goals at an MLS level. If you would allow me to continue to nerd out, I would point out that you should... Check out the video at 4942. There's a beautiful overhead of the very, very tight Chicago midfield. Uh, The wingers are just wide of the diameter of the center circle. That's really tight. That is a team that is kind of squished the midfield. We're going to make you go around us. And then what they do there from there is press out from that tight structure. So you want to see the fire get nice and compressed like that and then push out together as a team as they press. And then as an example of this, at 52.05, the press works. We get a quick turnover from Montreal in their own half. And yet 
the wrong attack sh- attacking option by the fire is chosen as well as the actual reaction to winning the ball back was really slow. But the problem is the point of the press is to get to this situation. Why is the team then not immediately snapping to, Oh, we did it. This is the next, this is step B to our plan a that we just did. So I don't know why that happened. And it kind of concerned me that we did, we executed something extremely well, What's the follow-up to that? 5505 is my new segment of do your job moment of the match because Olmsberg is quickly becoming one of my favorite players. Like I said, there's a ball in the air. Uh, everyone's backpedaling. Oh, everyone on the fire except for Olmsberg is back to the play, sprinting back to get back because this ball's over their head. They don't have a chance to win this except for Olmsberg, who is 1v3, Montreal attackers bearing down and Olmsberg just calmly heads it away. And it shouldn't be something I'm as excited about as I am right now, <laughs> except just do your dang job. Olmsberg is winning that battle for me. I would like to put forward the idea of a can't do your job moment of the match, and it will be <laughs> Calvo every single week. And we'll just zone in on the one of the multiple times a week where he just apparently can't do his job at all. Thoughts. It seems aggressive against Calvo. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty good bet for a guy who's going to be messing up though. So I just, I don't like players like that. And I, every single team has one that's like, why every week do you start? Uh, and I'm not saying that he's a bad soccer player because he's not but it just seems like he just has moments where he slips up let's focus on the positive not the negative how about that in the 59th minute we had Ali Seda come in for Gutierrez we're all always excited to see Ali Seda come in and Gutierrez didn't have a particularly good game so it's just a solid option to bring off the bench which is not something we had at the beginning of this season also good to see Ali Seda back healthy and in the 60th minute, we we saw Montreal do like-for-like like subs. Most important was Toy for Ibrahim. Yeah, and I thought this was mostly for energy as Montreal was getting overrun, couldn't get on the ball, although we'll see why this Toy substitution was so important. The only piece I have after this really is in the 74th, uh, there's a Montreal shot. That's followed by a hopeful cross, which almost connects. It's almost like a warning strike to the fire. Like, hey, there's a situation where you could get beat here. Um, otherwise, the fire seemed to be in control and seemed like they should score a goal here at the end. I just want to say Herbers had a few what the heck you doing moments um, after that. So <laughs> just going to throw that out there if you were watching the game. <laughs> we also saw 04 come in for Barrich. 04 is my guy. I was very happy to see him go in. And again, I think Barrich was not having a good game. You need someone to go in there who can give you an opportunity to score goals. Right. We had chances. 04 gets a couple chances in this game. If I need to put something, anything, anything away, please. Oh. Yeah. Uh, especially the Mondra. Madron uh, chance from the set piece. It was a corner kick and he really just had tons of space and puts it right at the keeper. So uh, wasn't very thrilled with that either. And in the 87th minute, 
Montreal lays the hammer down. Mason Toy uh. finds himself in between two center backs for the fire. And by that, I mean the center backs uh, were not paying attention to Mason Toy. <laughs> and he directs a header in for the score. Uh, the announcers summed it up uh, pretty accurately with this is heartbreak for the fire. Yeah, that sucked. And you could hear mm-hmm. the air get sucked out of that stadium. I just said, wow. I take some offense to your toy finding space between center backs because he makes a nice run here and he does a good job of just splitting them and Omsberg is in the right spot, but just, just can't find the perfect cross. And sometimes that's what happens. Ugh, just so crushing. Fair point. To the untrained eye, it looks like both center backs go, oh, oops, Ooh, and he's he gone. <laughs> However, <laughs> yes. I just wish somebody was was following him at all times, but I guess you're right, Brady. Bye. <laughs> yep. And then after this, there's plenty of, I mean, the game was not over. It seemed like it, but the fire created more chances. Uh, at 90-10, we saw 4 try the crazy. He settled, <laughs> flicked it over his head, and does a spinning sideways kick to get it on goal. That was pretty fun. Didn't work, but it looked awesome. <laughs> and in the 96th minute, Omberg ties it for yes! the fire. Yes! Stadium explodes. Yes. Whole team Woo! is excited. And then, then we have the refs come out because they need to review. Oh no. And 04 is found to be offside. And, and that's the match. That's yeah. it. Yeah, that was on his um first touch when he was coming back. He came back from an offside position and not him blocking the goalie's vision or anything later in the play. So no good. Yeah. Right. That is a brutal way to lose the game, to duel it out with a team they score in the 87th minute because a nil nil draw is not really fun for anyone but but, you know if that's what happens you played good defense you missed opportunities to have them score in the 87th minute and then in the 96th minute and there were seven minutes uh, of add-on time at the end of this game so to score right there have it in your hands and have it taken away from an offside call is just absolutely brutal no fun. Yeah, very crushing. Uh, as far as stats are concerned, we had 19 shots to Montreal's six. We created 1.6 expected goals to Montreal's 0.7. So you can call it unlucky. Unlucky. I don't. Uh, the fire had six shots on target of the 19, and that's simply not good enough. Uh, we could have even had more expected goals if you want to look at expected goals in that way. There were two things here. We needed to make better decisions in the final third. I think Stojanovic was the main guilty party here as he decided to shoot a couple times where I didn't think he needed to. I understand he's our one of our, I mean, he is our leading goal scorer. I get it. And I do want to see him shooting, but there were just a couple very obvious situations where we could build and create a better opportunity. And then the second thing is we got to find a finish in this type of game. Herbers, Gutierrez, it's got to be better. I know Gutierrez is a baby and he's just, you know, finding his feet in the professional game. He's a professional now. Got to put some of those away. Herbers, he already knows this. 
And then Barrich has been great in the buildup so far, maybe not this game, but he's been very critical at creating the opportunities. But it's up to the fire to then find him again in the final third. He only had one shot in this game, and that should be his main skill set and the thing that we use most for him is his goal scoring ability. Mm-hmm. So even though the fire didn't come away with the victory here, the thing that I really liked, and I like this for all teams, is you have a very limited amount of time when Montreal scores like goal in the 87th minute to try to come back. And the fire fought back. They had mm-hmm. opportunities. They're trying uh, to create uh, opportunities to score goals. Uh, they did not lay down like they have kind of previously uh, in games where it just seemed like they didn't think they were going to win. They seemed to believe that they had a chance here, which I really like. However, on top of this rough start that they've had to the season, only one win so far, you get dealt a loss like this or you lose a game like this, getting dealt a loss makes it seems like it was out of their control and it really wasn't. Um, but if you're wiki, how do you pick this team up? They're already a little demoralized for that start. And then losing a game like this is just a heartbreaker. So if you're in that manager seat, what do you do? You ask him to juice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I actually do have something the fire could work on. There were 19 fouls by Montreal. 15 of them were in the fire's attacking half. Yet no goals and not really a clear like off the bar, off the post save. So what could actually the fire could actually do is set piece practice. And I know for a fact that coaches in my past have used this as a motivator for, okay, it's we're halfway through the season. No one really wants to be at this practice. So we're going to spend an hour just working on set pieces and you forwards get to see their ball go into the back of the net. Free kick people get to just repeatedly practice something. Uh, you can come up with fun sort of fake set pieces and things of that nature, which can kind of just bring the whole morale of the team up together. It's also just a fun day and I think can help you forget about some of these, you know, unlucky, if you want to say that, really poor starts. I just think that set piece practice might be a fun way to snap some of these fire players from this game. Those are great ideas. It's almost it's almost like you have experience coaching soccer. Uh, yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Staying in Chicago, but moving over to our lovely Red Stars. Good news this week. Played Kansas City. Came up with the victory two to zero. Yeah, the very first win, a very solid game from the Red Stars. Uh, the NWSL site said that they played a four three three, but I saw more of a four two three one with Di Bernardo playing a true number ten. Uh, I could kind of run through this game if you wanted me to. Please do. I did not get a chance to watch this, so run it down. Love it. In the eighth minute, Amy Rodriguez on Kansas City. She's probably their most proven goal scorer. Uh, Probably one of their better attackers. She gets free, and it's a good save by Nair and a good reaction by the defense to get rid of the ball, uh, which is something that we're going to kind of see as a trend from the Red Stars. When they swarm in their own box to clear, uh, good things happen. It's been a good collective defensive effort, I would say, from the team. 
And then that was really the only blemish on the Red Stars for this game who were dominant for the rest of the time. Uh, Moving forward quickly to the 60th minute, Rory Dames made two subs that make him look like a total genius, and coaches love it when it works out this well. Uh, But Pugh came in to replace Aaron Wright, who started as a winger and normally as a defender. I thought she played really well as a winger. That was great. And then Kelia Watt came in and replaced Katie Johnson. So those were two very critical subs because then both of those players feature on the next goals that the Red Stars will score. In the 67th, Kelia Watt got a left-footed curler in. And that was assisted by Mal Pugh, who picked up a loose ball in her own half, drove it all the way down the field really hard at the Kansas City defenders. Uh, Watt stayed nice and wide on the right side, cut to her left foot, and just it's a nice bend around the goalkeeper. Uh, really nice drive by Pugh, I would say, to just get the ball from one end of the field to the other quickly. And then uh, in the 70th, Doniak scores, she was, which was also assisted by Mal Pugh. Uh, this time it was a bad, bad turnover by Kansas City. Doniak wins the ball, plays it wide to Pugh, who finds her right back, and then a good left-footed composed finish from Doniak. I thought Doniak was very good all game and should see the field a bit more. And Pugh is just amazing and one of our most skilled players worth watching every game. Excellent. Thank you, Brad. The Red Stars also played the Houston Dash this week. The game was two days ago on May 29th. The Red Stars did not come away with the victory here, fell to the Dash one to two. And I don't think this loss is anything to panic about. I thought the Red Stars played a good game and just didn't come away with the result this time. Rachel Hill got a start at right wing instead of Doniak, which I thought was surprise uh, was a surprise because it didn't seem like this squad was totally rotated. Uh, it just seemed like Doniak didn't get the start for some reason. I don't know why, because she played a very good game in the in the one against Kansas City. Pugh was great again in this game. She had a goal in the fourth minute, and it was totally individual. It was totally her own skill. She stole the ball off the defender. Then she's on the left side of the box, kind of wide, drives the defender back and scores a nice curling shot. Uh, It looked remarkably similar, yet very different from the 18th minute goal scored by the dash. Uh, Nichelle Prince scored a shot cross from the right side. She does a good job also of driving Sarah Gordon back into her own box, but this was an outswinging ball. Nair just barely gets a hand on it, but can't push it over the bar, which brings us to one of our favorite games was she shooting. (laughs) Dave, did you get a chance to see this goal? Was she shooting here? Yes, she was totally shooting. I was kidding. (laughs) No, she wasn't. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, out swinging like that. I I'm gonna give I'm gonna give Nair the benefit of the doubt of she was expecting it to be a cross and maybe didn't get the greatest leap on it. But I also do not believe that Prince was shooting here. The rest of the game was pretty even. Watt could have scored in the 58th minute, and she was just wide. She made a really nice attack from the left side of the box into the middle and just just missed. But then, unfortunately, the Dash get the game winner in the 83rd. Mewis with a nice, easy finish on the far post. And the Red Stars in this situation, for the last like five minutes before this goal, could not get on the ball and couldn't really get out of their box. And this was a moment where 
when they were scrambling in their box, it wasn't all together a scramble. It was like one person was going after the ball and someone else was kind of scrambling around somewhere else. So I would say that when the Red Stars are collectively defending as a team in their box, they're much better. In this case, it just seemed a little bit more ram- random and scrambled. Mm. Thank you, Brad, for the lovely breakdowns of those Red Stars games. Coming up, Red Stars play the North Carolina Courage on June 5th at 1 p.m. Moving on to our game of the week, the Champions League final, Manchester City versus Chelsea. Chelsea is your Champions League champions. The champions of Europe. The champions! I that this was the first time I had heard that song, oh. and I was like, usually I can't tell what choral singers are saying. I could tell what they were saying in this song because it was <laughs> champions. I mean, to be fair, that's the only word that makes sense in that entire song. So yeah, yep. <laughs> also accurate. Yes, indeed. So we have our champions. It was a one nil game. It wasn't quite the smash that I saw City doing, but. I think there are reasons for I that. I believe I am right and you are wrong, Brady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I live in that. Well, uh, I did not guess the goal cap correctly. That's true. That's true. But we did guess Pulisic coming out. Oh, we'll get into it. Uh, because Man City came out in their 4-3-3, as we'd all expect. But with the ball became a 3-4-3 with surprisingly Zinchenko, the left back would push inside to the midfield and then Foden would push up to the forward line. And then the wingers were staying very, very wide. And that's because Chelsea played their typical three, four, one, two, three, four, two, one. Uh, And so city needed a way to push Chelsea's wing backs wide or force the center backs wide. The first big chance of the game was at eight or so minutes where Sterling has a chance. And again, it's a beautiful ball from Ederson. There's no other goalkeeper in the world that can do this except for maybe Alisson. I'll give you that, Dave. Uh, but I was just going to say, yeah, but, but, but while you're saying that, you know, Sterling, you know, probably thinking at this moment, like, man, I would already have had one European championship if I would just would have stayed with Liverpool. And that's why they lost. So. <laughs> yes. In that moment, he was thinking that I am sure, Dave. <laughs> Very early on in the game, Chelsea had multiple opportunities and one player in particular from Chelsea had multiple opportunities to put them up early at the 10 minute mark. Uh, Werner has a miss. Oh, least shocking thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> And again, at the 14th minute, Werner has a chance again and misses. The best part of both of these touches was the announcer. Uh, Every time it went to Werner, it was Timo Werner. Like he was really about to put it away. And it reminded me of, I think it was FIFA 11 or 12, maybe, where (laughs) every time Didier Drogba got the ball, it was (laughs) Didier Didier Drogba. And it just, it reminded me of that. It was like before it even got to the ball, the announcer was Timo Werner and nothing <laughs> happened. I was like, he missed that shot by two feet. Not, Stumbling, no. bumbling. 
I mean, he should he yeah. should two goals already, and he made it on target, no. which was impressive of its own. But it's an easy save for Ederson, the, especially the yeah. 14th minute one. <laughs> I just don't yeah. know why they got so excited because he has been garbage all year. In the 17th minute, so the, again, this is more Chelsea. Conte had another try. He was very good in this game and continues to be very good for Chelsea. Super good player. Here's your Conte shout out. And then in the 27th minute, so the game hasn't really been going City's way. They've had the one big opportunity from Sterling. Otherwise, City were on the ball, but not doing very much with it. And in the 27th, you could hear the field mic pick up Pep, uh, who was telling Foden to move to striker. And then, Kevin, you go free. And it was just an interesting kind of thing to pick up, even though there's fans in the stands now. So that was cool and fun to hear. And then almost immediately after, there was a chance. So... Pep being a genius, as usual. In the 40th minute, uh, unfortunately, we saw Tiago Silva go down, come in, get replaced uh, by Christensen. Uh, never fun to see that. Yeah, it's always sad, and it's super important for Chelsea because he is their captain back there in the, of the defense. He's the coach back there. So both sad for Tiago Silva. You never want to see a player go down in the middle of a final. And then also critical for this game. Absolutely. In the 42nd minute, we have the only goal of the match. Havertz puts it away. What a goal from Chelsea. Great counter. Um, and the pass from Mount really sets this up beautifully. Really nice looking pass. This, what a goal and Havertz, nice and easy finish. Yeah. Got it right past the keeper. He's been gather guy all year. So him and Mount teaming up. It's great. In the second half, even though... The only goal of the match took place in the first. Second half was interesting and tough. Things mm -hmm. got physical. Kevin De Bruyne oh, yeah. got body checked and got rocked. Uh, so Gabriel Jesus uh, came in for him. And Pulisic came in for Werner, which was very exciting for us Ooh. American boys. Yes, he's the first ever American male to play in the final of the Champions League. It was awesome. I do want to go back to that body check on the German wall pronounced Rudiger. Just <laughs> it's unlucky really for Kevin because Rudiger was trying to stop him. He just didn't mean for him to run right into his shoulder nose first. It no. was scary a little bit. Uh, it's just weird to see him on the bench too. Like obviously he had to come off because it was so rough, but then you're seeing him just sitting there like this guy plays like the full 90 minutes, like almost all the time. So yep. super strange. I hope he's playing in the euros. I hope that agreed. Yeah. It doesn't affect his play there. Now going back to Pulisic at 72, 10, let's all Americans scream as one because I definitely <laughs> did because Pulisic almost, almost, almost scores here. Yeah. I almost can't believe he didn't. Honestly, it would have been an amazing moment and, well, yeah. Well, I don't want to like get ahead of myself here, but it, it just would have been huge for American soccer. Yes, he's a champion, but uh, a goal here would have been nuts. So, and I do not mean a masculine scream. It was a full on R two D two scream, and I almost I really yes. thought he scored. Yes. <laughs> would have been fun. In the seventy second minute, we have Aguero time. Aguero comes in for Sterling. Eighty second minute. Kovacic comes in for Mount. 
the second half really boiled down to Chelsea just not letting City do what they want to do. City has that awesome offense that has been um, wrecking the league for the most part all year. It was clear that Chelsea's goal was we are not going to let them do what they want with the ball. They locked them down, got the W, and the Champions League victory. Congratulations, Chelsea. Yes. My biggest takeaway from this was I was considering heavily choosing Chelsea as my EPL team and didn't do it because I still feel like I don't know enough about soccer to choose a team. And I really wish that I would have done that because I would have been an EPL fan for half a season and already have (laughs) a Champions League trophy under my belt. So F me. It would have been very Man City-ish of you, though, ironically. It would have yeah. been. Yeah. Instant it gratification in soccer isn't worth it, so. <laughs> you have to suffer for X amount of years, and, and Brady's still suffering. You got to at still least put going. in that much time, right? Yeah. You are familiar with most of the teams that I root for, Dave, yes? <laughs> I am. That's what I'm saying, right? Right. You, you, you have to just... <laughs> pretend like that because like when we're all old and gray and they finally win the twins win the world series well i'll be really happy for you you know yeah thank you so much that means a lot coming from you okay enough about <laughs> chelsea and all this nonsense <laughs> i wanted to talk about pep guardiola because there are many people who say and many pundits who believe that Pep overthinks these games. He's been in the Champions League 12 times. He's been to three finals and won two of those finals. So I, one, don't even understand where he really gets this reputation other than he always overthinks everything because that's what he does is thinks, thinks, thinks. But my counter to that is this is the same thing that City have done basically all season is this false nine, play a bunch of midfielders, let Kevin De Bruyne be great at finding and making space with his runs. Phil Foden is a starlet that you don't need to tell him where to play. He's going to find good spots and create chances. And this was not new. This was something that City have tried to do. When you have Aguero and Gabby Jesus, many will say, well, that's, you know, that's crazy to not play a striker. It's crazy to not have them out there. But the logic makes sense. You've got three Chelsea center backs, all who are very good, physical in the air, and smart players. You need to get those three out of the center of the box somehow, some way. And so Pep says, okay, my wingers are going to sit very wide. They're going to make you guys leave the box and force danger in that way. I don't think it's overthinking it. I think it is Chelsea being solid with their own principles and saying, you know what, if they're going to stay out there, our wing backs will stay back. We'll create a couple counterattacking chances, and that'll be enough. And I think really that Tuchel just executed his game plan and Chelsea executed Tuchel's game plan better than City did. I don't think it was had anything to do with overthinking. Interesting. Take that, I'm sh- unnamed pundits. Well... <laughs> First off, yes, but also I'm sure that there are many angry City fans that are going to jump to that and say, Pep was the issue and that we need to do something about that. So um, good to have an outsider's perspective probably on that and calm some of those 
heated, heated hearts right now. Yeah. I mean, I'd love if they get rid of Pep. Give him to Tottenham. I'm fine with that. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we should segue real quick, though. Tottenham, though, like, are are they going to get Poch again? That's the latest rumor, though, right? I saw that. I saw the Nuno Espirito Santo. I also saw uh, Martinez talking the Belgium manager. And I'd be very interested in that, especially with the Belgians that we have on the team already. (laughs) Very nice. I think any of those would be fantastic. I thought Nuno though had already said no, but maybe I'm incorrect. I might be a little bit behind on that. I kind of, I'm giving Tottenham their space right now. (laughs) As you should, as you should. And Dave, anything, anything happening with Liverpool that we should take note of? Liverpool signed uh, right back from Leipzig, uh, Konate. I do not know a ton about him, except that he's a pretty big guy and could be a pretty good pairing with um, Van Dyke, provided Van Dyke's healthy next year. And they are also mm-hmm. supposedly shopping Phillips now, the guy who ended up being mm-hmm. the really good center back that helped Liverpool lock in third place this year. So I'm thinking that they're going to try and cash out while he's at his height because we really don't know what's going to happen with him in the future. So That would be we'll good business. I think yeah. he played pretty well at the closing of this season. Yes. Hmm. Well, you both have plenty of time to speculate and wonder and get excited or depressed about how your teams are going to do next year during this offseason. But... Best of luck if you need a shoulder to cry on or someone to talk to. I am here for you as a potential Chelsea fan. Ugh. <laughs> that sounds so <laughs> gross. <laughs> Ew. Bringing it back to the US of A. USA Watch. The US men's team played a friendly match against Switzerland and lost one to two. Just a friendly, so no one freak out. Uh, USA. I'm freaking out. <laughs> Just a friendly, so freaking it's gonna out, be man. okay. I the my main takeaway is the U.S. still need to find a goal scoring nine. It's much much easier said than done. We all saw what happened when Altidore went down mid World Cup, and there was just no one really behind him in the wings ready to go. I think Zardes is an awesome athlete and a good stopgap, but I just really wish that Sargent would have stepped up in this situation and found a goal here or found a way to help USA win this game in any case. Again, just a friendly, and it will be very interesting to see the rosters for the Gold Cup and for World Cup qualifying. That is the big deals and those games, it doesn't matter how pretty we look, how we play. It's all about the wins. Big summer. Absolutely. Wins any way you can get them. All that matters. Other things that happened. The biggest thing in everyone's mind, championship playoffs. At least in my mind it was. Yeah, baby. (laughs) I was curious about these. What happened? Uh, So I've been following Brentford for the past couple of years just because their story was a little interesting, and they actually pulled off the victory against Swansea. Um, Yeah. uh, One of their top goal scorers had a penalty to start off the day. And then they, uh, 
uh, were able to add on to it and lock it up. So they had, they were up two nil at the half and then they shut out Swansea in the second half as well. Nice. So get excited. Buzz, buzz. The bees are stinging. Brentford's in the premier league. Uh, it's very cool to have them up too. Cause they were just in league two, like 12 years ago. So it's a, like a crazy story. Um, they have good management, so it will be interesting to see how that management thinks with additional funds and being in the Premier League. So I have a question, which is when teams that are new to the English Premier League come in their first year, do they typically perform near the bottom of the pack as would kind of be expected? Or uh, do you ever have a situation where those new teams coming in are they kind of take the league by storm and you go, wow, they're playing really well. And these other English, these other EPL teams, they haven't seen them. They don't know what to do with them. Uh, I guess, how do these teams typically do? Well, I guess uh, what I was going to say is last, last year we had Leeds um, who came out and they were putting up goals immediately. They played Liverpool right off the bat. And I think it was a seven goal thriller that they lost by a goal four to three against Liverpool. It was, it was crazy. Um, okay. and they maintained that playing style all year, but eventually, you know, their defense kind of caught up with them, but the fact that they were in the top half of the table is pretty impressive for a team that just got promoted. Um, they also had a lot of history to themselves, so they had financial backing. They, I think okay. they, they're a club that once they got promoted, they're going to do everything in their power to stay up there and not be a problem. Sure. Sure. But you also have the likes of Fulham and West Brom that just got promoted and they've been relegated again. Uh, both Brady and I agreed this last year that Fulham just didn't have the squad to stay up. Like they had a great coach, a great young coach, but um, the personnel just wasn't there. And same with West Brown. I agree with Dave in a lot of ways here. I think it will be interesting to see how many of the players on the Brentford roster are still on the roster next season. One of the things you see with promoted teams like this is one, you get a big payment. Welcome to the Premier League. Here's a bunch of money. So a lot of these promoted teams will spend, spend, spend and do some business dealings so that half their roster kind of that got them there is kind of gone, but they've got a better roster, a more likely one to stay firmly in the Premier League. For teams like West Brom and Fulham, I actually expected them to stay up a little bit better because of the history that they have. Whereas Brentford with no history, it's going to be kind of difficult for them to make some of these critical, critical decisions and to cut who they need to cut and decide who they need to sign. Meanwhile, Leeds just had their style and played it to a T with a lot of the same players from the championship. So you get a bunch of different scenarios from these promoted teams I think Brentford are going to struggle unless they do some major overhaul, which is pretty typical anyway. I, I would say from a business perspective, though, they did just create a new stadium. I don't know if the capacity is larger, but I think they had their eyes set on launching into the Premier League and hopefully like that could add to the revenue. I just don't know how much it will. Like, I don't know what the capacity is, but I'm I rooting for them. Yeah, to be yeah clear, I am rooting too. for them. Cool. Buzz, buzz. Yes, yes. <laughs> awesome. Very cool. I'm excited to watch them play next year. Moving on and looking ahead. Next week's game of the week. Drum roll, please. There isn't one. Oh. <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry, anti anticlimactic. Uh, there is a three week international break taking place, so MLS teams do not resume playing until actually the next game is on June twelfth, which is only two weeks away, uh, and then after that, the full on schedule really resumes June eighteenth. So you will not be hearing from us for at least a week. Sorry to say, however. Continue to watch and learn soccer. Terrific sport. And when we do come back, we're going to have a ton of information for you ready to go. While the three-week international break is taking place, though, keep an eye out on transfer rumors, um, acquisitions for the international uh, leagues here. This is when drama starts to happen. can be a little exciting. Yeah, bust out the popcorn uh, with these international tournaments. If players that uh, kind of stand out, uh, they get signed. So it's going to be a fun watch. If we all believe together, then Kane won't go anywhere. So believe, believe he's going to stay on Spurs. <laughs> you click your heels three times. There's no place like Tottenham. There's no place like Tottenham. <laughs> <laughs> I want to believe Brady. I just, I just, I'm having trouble, but fingers crossed for you. Closing thoughts, gentlemen, Brad thoughts. Many of them. Dave thoughts. (laughs) No one. None. (laughs) We may come out with a short episode next week, maybe an extra tactical session or Dave has some five facts to share with you, but we may also just take the week, take a break, but be sure to pay attention to things like gold cup rosters, or like we said, transfers or anything having to do with the euros or the Coney ball, uh, South American tournaments, uh, going to be a ton of fun and just because we're not there watching with you doesn't mean that soccer goes away completely absolutely always lives on brady if people want to contact you where can you be found out i am at stat underscore bro or bro stats on twitter check out my articles on the analyst excellent and dave where can our listeners reach out to you? At WCW Dave on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want to get in touch with us in general to share thoughts, feedback, ideas, email us windycitywingers.info at gmail.com. Thank you as always for listening, everyone. We will be back in your ear holes very soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.